This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This holiday season, you know what I have on my wish list? Adventure. That's why I got a new Honda during the Happy Honda Day sales event. They have a whole lineup of rugged, all-wheel drive SUVs, CRV, Pilot, Passport. But at the end of the day, I drove off in a new HRV with a bunch of safety features. And best of all, I got it on clearance. So don't just sit around knitting an ugly holiday sweater. See your local Honda dealer for Happy Honda Day's clearance pricing today. Welcome to Talking Halos. This is Derek C. Paul, my co-host today, John Crane. We're going to hop right into this because it's one of those days where we don't want it to be all too jovial. You really can't be. Uh, when a report like what came out yesterday on ESPN comes out, we need to just address it, get out there and talk about it and see if we could reach any conclusions. And newsflash, you really can't. But um, John, your initial thoughts on what was reported yesterday. Okay, I was angry. And not angry at the Angels, angry at the reporting that lacks substance and fact um, and, uh, and, and is primarily based a lot on the uh, former director of communications who is an, an admitted drug user and, by definition, a drug supplier. But what facts are missing? Well, I guess I guess I'm just taking it from from where the source is coming from. A man who's been already in in trouble uh, and has admitted to this stuff, and now just kind of kind of spread the blame across uh, across the organization and point fingers at people who um, at least one I I know I guess you could say personally, uh, and I find and I know to be of the highest moral fiber. And uh, I just don't like I just don't like the way that things get spread out and this what fingers just start getting pointed in all sorts of directions to to cast blame on people without getting uh, verification and facts on the other people that they're pointing fingers at. They shouldn't even be they shouldn't even be bringing other names into it unless there's facts to back it up. Well. This is where I'm going to disagree a little bit. And I, and I think I understand there's, there's an emotional aspect to it. The report, which we're about to go through, buddy, it doesn't say they think that Tim Meade did anything wrong. The only thing they're reporting is that Eric K. named Meade and named another official. Okay. Uh, that, that official happens to be the travel secretary. So... They're not. The report is not saying that they're innocent or guilty. I actually thought the the reporting done by T.J. Quinn over there at ESPN was fair. I thought he provided as much fact as he could. I thought he did not really do anything in the article to be biased one or the other. He's just reporting the news, and I also thought it was very measured in that he didn't just run out there and say a whole bunch of junk without dates or a rush to somebody asked on Facebook or mentioned that this all seems rushed. No, it's not. If the DEA opened up the questioning back in September, it's now October 13th and we're getting something out out on yesterday. So I think me personally, what you're feeling is, is is this report comes out and Tim Mead hasn't said much more than that. He didn't know this. He didn't, he doesn't 
something he did. And to me, the bigger blame in all this goes with social media in that we have professionals out there taking what was in this article and jumping to conclusions, making assumptions, and so on and so forth. I had somebody, I got into a really big conversation with this yesterday, John. I know you were working, so you didn't see it until late, I think, uh, where in the end, this person called me naive because I refused to just fall in line with the idea that A equals B equals C equals D equals D F all the way through when I don't even know what pieces A, B, and D are. Like, you have a puzzle. This is how I describe it. You have a 500-piece puzzle, and you only have about 50 pieces of that puzzle right now. So how can you claim to know everything? And that's why I think in this show, it's important for us to just go through the reporting itself and lay the facts we know out there and let people digest that. And then we need to wait. We need to wait as the story fills in. It could be just what that person was saying. The way that that person had it was that the Angels knew about it, and then there are a lot of teams are doing it, and a lot of fan, you know a lot of players are doing it, and uh, it's it's a major virus or problem. And it might be it, the Angels might have known all the way up to the top. Moreno may have known, but the, here's the truth: is we don't know that. We don't even know if Meade knew. Well, I'm not I'm not calling out specifically T.J. Quinn because I actually just you had to send me the link to this article. I've read several other articles, all of which, you know, are quoting this Eric K. Eric K. is saying, you know, he knows that in the five other players who he believed. And, you know, it's just it, pointing fingers, pointing fingers. And I mean, you know, I said this is kind of this is a, kind of personal for me. And I think you even have some experience in this, too. You know, I mean, I, I, addiction is is a uh, uh, prevalent in my family. Um, I lost my oldest brother, and I, sure, can I point uh, my oldest my my big brother? He's he passed away. It's over ten years. He was before before he was fifty years old, and um, I just. <sighs> I just as I can look at my brother's life and I can point at things. Did he have some bad breaks? Yes, he did. He definitely did. But were some of those bad breaks result of bad decisions? Yes, they were. And bottom line of the day, I, I, I can't blame the liquor store. I can't blame anybody. I, you know, bottom line of the day, he's the one who made the decisions that he did. Now, um, and so when I see these, these these you know this a tragedy now inevitably turning into god knows how long investigation of the angels um and when i mean i i as an athlete i guess i'll say i love him as an athlete i love tyler skaggs just like like love everybody in the angels it's a tragedy that's what bothers me so much it's such a tragedy that he died i don't care how he died it's a tragedy and um just but to the focus to be to be on the team. And I mean, and I, 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 you know, whatever you can edit this out of, you know, I mean, it's just, I, but I mean, I don't understand how all these people on the team can know, but nobody in his family knew. So, I mean, I, I mean, you, you somebody had to know this isn't, well, wasn't a big revelation and the angels aren't the sole person. And, and I'm not to say if his family knew, I knew my brother was drinking. There's nothing I could do to stop him. I tried to, I let him move. He moved in with us for six months. We were, I, you know, in naively thinking you can fix somebody, you can fix somebody. I'm not blaming the family at all. I'm just saying, this is not a breaking revelation that, Oh, the, angels knew and you know they were hiding it from who were they hiding it from well I, you may you maybe you maybe they don't know that's the thing is maybe you're saying the family let me lay it out I, this i'm not way. saying that they did or they didn't let I'm me lay saying, let me lay it out this way okay okay and then we'll get into the article yeah get into the article because i'm okay. i'm gonna i'm just gonna rant if well you're gonna rant but this. let's let, let me just lay it out this way okay i find it hard to believe that the Skaggs family didn't know. This like people would find it hard to believe that the Angels didn't know. But in a lot of cases, it depends on the person. There are a lot of functioning drunks out there that manage to get by until something finally happens and nobody even realized that there was a problem. And there are other people out there who are a total hot mess and you know from the beginning. It's really, really 
naive to pin a certain personality on one person or the other. In other words, it's, it's really naive to say he definitely made it known to everybody or somebody. Or it's naive to say that nobody knew. The truth is, we don't know. We can guess. We can ponder it. We can think, well, Eric K was known throughout the team, and so odds are good that other people did know. Are the odds good that other members of the team knew? Well, if we're honest, yeah. But it's also possible that he kept this as a deep, dark secret. He was in that hotel room alone. Do you really think that Mike Trout and the people who cared about Tyler Skaggs would have left him in that hotel room alone if they felt there was a problem? There was something going on? They realized there was something going on? Uh, So I'm going to go back to that and say it's not black and white. There's a lot of gray here. And this is why it's really important that we step back, be patient, and wait. Wait for this information to come out. And demand answers, by the way. Ask questions. Don't just sit there and be silent. Ask questions. But don't jump to any conclusion unless you have all the facts in front of you. Like You don't have the puzzle. We have parts of the puzzle. So let's get into one of the pieces of the puzzle. Before we do, man, this is such a hard podcast to to talk about. But before we do, we do want to ask you, if you enjoy the job we do that we're trying to do, head over to Apple Music, subscribe. We'd appreciate a five-star review if possible. If you want us to earn it or if you want to leave feedback, send it to us at talkinghalos at gmail.com. We would love to get your feedback on this episode. Think, things you'd like us to, to question or even answer to the best of our knowledge on the next episode. We'll be glad to take it. If you are holding back on that five-star review because there's a couple of things you want to see fixed, we'd appreciate that kind of feedback. Uh, like I told you guys before, though, if you are looking for a podcast that's straight, uh, straight, straight facts in the middle and no fan commentary, it's not the point of the show. The point of the show was to bring some of the journalism and some of the the fandom together to have good baseball conversations. And for the most part, I think we do accomplish that. So there you go. Uh, one more favor. If you could, if you are enjoying the show and you're a new listener, Hey, do us, do us a favor and share the show out. We really appreciate that. We really appreciate any grassroots support you can send our way. And um, I guess now it's telling in this article and bear with me. It's not easy for me to go through this with you. It's been something that's been, Rattling my brain for the last 24 hours. I gave myself a headache last night discussing this online. But uh, it's... I think it's an important discussion for us to have. So TJ Quinn, ESPN staff writer. Yesterday afternoon, this reaches um, this reaches the, uh, the wires. I won't quote the whole thing here. We're going to have to paraphrase a little bit. But he basically said that, that Eric K. told fellow investigators, that he did provide oxycodone to Tyler Skaggs and abuse it with him for years. That, that part is the quote there. He also noted that two team officials were told about Skaggs' drug use long before his death. And that's according to two sources from the investigation. So, sources. Sources. So there's, we don't know who the sources are. I'm guessing it's an agent involved. Or family members. There's there's a lot of different places you can get sources, but here are some key details that also came out. Now in the second paragraph, that that official is Eric K, the Angels Director of Communications. That he gave DEA as Drug Enforcement Administration agents this information. Uh, the names of uh, also give the names of five other players who he believed. Quote, he believed we're using opiates while they were angels, the sources said. Now, this is the first thing that popped out when I was reading the article. And there's more, but the, the names weren't there yet. The names were not there yet. The names of five other players 
who he believed. Keyword being believed. Believed means he believes but doesn't know. He thinks but doesn't have proof. That's different than five players he knows were using opiates. That's a big... Andy, Andy says while they were angels, yeah, which puts out there that they're not even necessarily on the team anymore. Yeah, so while they were angels means you're talking some past angels here at least, at least some, okay? So you are really... You're, that's really dangerous for anybody trying to reach a conclusion to even do much with right now. Because the belief initially here, when this first was reported that there may be an employee involved, a lot of folks jumped on this bandwagon of, well, the players knew and there's a problem within the organization. And, well, we don't know that. If these are past players that were involved, then it could be folks who have a problem, not necessarily the organization having a problem. It could be no, it, it could be the opposite too. But here's the key thing again is believed. Let me get this straight. You have been using these drugs for years. You are now known to have distributed these drugs to at least one player on the roster. And all you got is believed. Well, if you only believe, that means you weren't distributing. So how do you know? And why you? So questions. That's what I'm trying to say is questions. Believed is a big difference than knowing. Uh, next paragraph. Kay's attorney, Michael Molfetta, reached on Friday, confirmed the details of Kay's statements. These were given in separate meetings with DEA agents in Dallas and in LA uh, late last month. So it gives the, the fourth paragraph gives the information on Skaggs that he died in his South Lake, Texas hotel room July 1st, choking from his own vomit, according to the Tarrant County Medical Examiner's Offices. The autopsy was released on August 30, found evidence of fentanyl, oxycodone, and alcohol in the system. Outside the lines, report on September 18th that the DEA had begun an investigation into the source of the fentanyl. And fentanyl, that's, a, that's, that's something that moves oftentimes across state lines. That will explain why the DEA is even involved. So one, two, three, four. Now in the fifth paragraph, here we go. I'm going to quote this one, folks, okay? I'm just going to read straight. Kay told investigators he illegally obtained six oxycodone pills and gave three to Skaggs a day or two before the team left California for the road trip to Texas, according to the sources. Kay told DEA agents he does not think the pills he obtained for Skaggs were the same ones the pitcher took the day he died because Skaggs typically would ingest the pills immediately as receiving them from Kay. The sources said Skaggs also texted Kay the day the team left for Texas seeking more oxycodone, a request Kay told investigators he was unable to fulfill, the sources said. So, a couple of things there. Six illegal obtained. So now you know that he is illegally purchasing a drug. He gave those two Skaggs. Gave three of them to Skaggs. So that's illegal. Am I, am I wrong here? No, it's a very uh, exonerating statement for him, the way, the way he phrased it. <clears throat> so that's there. Kay told DEA agents he does not think the pills he obtained for Skaggs were the same ones the pitcher took the day he died because Skaggs typically would ingest them um, immediately. After receiving them from Kay, well, if that's the truth, then why immediately would mean to me he's handing them the pills and he immediately pops them, right? That's what I would take by immediately. That's what I would take by immediately, exactly. But that's not what's said there. He says he does not think the pills he obtained for Skaggs. So two things, that means that maybe Skaggs took them when he left the room or maybe Skaggs saved them. But another thing that comes from that, if, if you're saying he ingests them immediately, that's something, that's something druggies do. That's something addicts do. They, they, they're not waiting. They're going to do it as soon as they can. They're going to take that that drug. Again, questions around that. Skaggs also tested K the day the team left for Texas looking for oxycodone. A request 
Kay told investors unable to fulfill. So that means that if true that Skaggs had taken his pills and was looking for more, that's again the signifier of addiction. Is there something I'm missing there, John? No. No. So what we know, Skaggs received three pills from Kay a day or two before the team left. Kay tells the DEA that he did not think, but does not know, that Skaggs took the pills. Those are the ones that killed him. Okay? This is really, really hard to say. We don't know. And, of course, Kay has reasons to say that, no, no, my pills didn't do it, by the way. He has reasons to say no. Those not. But he's probably right, because if you are addicted to a drug, and it seems like this is becoming clear he was, that in that case, he probably did ingest them before he even left California. Um, agents initially learned about oxycodone transactions from K- between Kay and Skaggs at reviewing text messages between the two, according to the sources. Okay, that makes sense. That should be expected. That's probably the first thing they did. So here we go. This is This is... Part one of one of the things that troubles me, John. I mean, the whole thing's troubling, but really gives into the troubling stuff. Kay told DEA investigators that hours before Skaggs' death in July, Skaggs was in his South Lake Hilton hotel room and texted, texted Kay to visit him, according to a source familiar with what Kay told the DEA. Kay also told investigators that Skaggs started three lines of crushed opioids in front of him. The sources said Kay recognized that two of the lines could have been crushed oxycodone, but the third was not a substance he recognized, the sources said. Kay said he did not take any of the drugs despite being offered them by Skaggs, the sources said, because he was on a medication that would have negated the effects. Yeah, boy, that's just perfect. I, I mean, perfect for Kay. Perfect for Kay. Wow. It's the, the, those were, I didn't recognize one of those lines. I recognized the other two. I didn't recognize the one. And just today, now, though I normally do, you know, I have uh, – you know, done opioids with Tyler Skaggs. Today I was on medication, so I didn't take it. Um, again, I just find that the credibility of that to be questionable. Well, my question, you know, if Kay is really struggling with his addiction, is what's that medication he's saying he's on that would negate the effects, uh, that he would have the, all of a sudden have the willpower to not take the drug that he's addicted to. Um, I don't understand drugs all that much to be able to answer that question. So before someone sends me a message saying you're an idiot, Derek, no, I'm I'm saying it does seem a little fishy. But let's say we, he, let's let's say I'm we, just gonna say he's not he's not saying like my wife will say you can't take that you have a you have this and it says not to take it while you have this because it could could be dangerous. He doesn't say it's dangerous. He says it would negate it. So, oh, if I did it, I wouldn't feel it anyway. So I'm not going to do it. Ah, yeah. Well, here's, I'm sorry. You know, there are, again, folks, and if you are a, listen, if you are a person out there who is familiar with these kind of drugs and can send us some information on to to better inform our audience, we'd really appreciate it. Um, Because this is where things get a little, little hazy to me. I know that when there are certain drugs that if you take a, if you are given prescribed a drug to deal with withdrawal symptoms and so on and so forth, you can have differing effects. So there's a chance that Kay's telling the truth here. Maybe he was, you know, he had been to rehab, which we're about to talk about in a minute. He's now out of rehab and back to work. He is not yet back in rehab. So and he goes back in rehab in August. So for all we know, he's on something to help him with withdrawal, something to help him not take, go back to the stuff he was taking. And so it's possible. The other thing that's possible here is he's not being truthful. We don't know. Okay. I would think it would be really hard to believe that if you have an addiction problem, that you're going to be able to sit in a room hanging out with this, this one dude, this dude you've been hanging out with, you with for years, and not take part in the drugs. I think it's a little... It is questionable. It should be questioned. Okay. 
After Skaggs' cause of death was announced, his family issued a statement saying, we are shocked to learn that it may involve an employee of the Los Angeles Angels. We will not rest until we learn truth about how Howard came in possession of these narcotics, including who survived him, supplied him, sorry. Um, the announcement itself, we've talked about it before. Beth, I think that's possible that they they wouldn't know in terms of another employee being involved. I think it's totally possible that they didn't know. I do think it's hard to believe that the family didn't have a clue he had a problem, though. I think that's... It's possible to live in denial. It's possible the team lived in denial, by the way. So, again... Well, I'm, you're I'm, talking about the Skaggs family, right? You're talking about the Skaggs family, The right? Skaggs family. I think it's also you know possible that the Angels themselves could have been in denial, too. I mean, it was so easy to say it's so black and white, but when it comes to things like this with people you love and care about... It's really hard to to just pinpoint something. Man, this is a hard podcast to record. Well, well, well I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but yeah, I guess you'll get to the knowledge. I'm getting that, there. I'm getting, I'm getting the, there. Yeah, the length of, of Eric Kay's uh, abuse is if he it's significant. Began, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. It's significant. Uh, see here, this guy's family attorney. So this guy's family continued. It's Rusty Harden continues to mourn the loss of beloved son, brother, husband, son-in-law. They greatly appreciate the work the law enforcement is doing, and they are patiently awaiting the results of the investigation. Very fair statement on the part of Skaggs' family. Here's the thing that where it gets a little weird. Kay's mother, Sandy, reached by outside the line, said her son started abusing opioids a few years after his father died in 1998. So a few years is what, four or five? So 2002, By definition, I would say three. I would actually yeah. say three. Well, we don't so, know but I mean, it's sure, a very but... general, a general yeah. word, so... Well, well, but... We'll say four or five ish. If you're saying a few years, it's definitely not 15 years later. For you know, at some point in there, soon after. Eric K is currently in opioid, sorry, an outpatient treatment for substance abuse, as in place on paid leave from the Angels. Okay, so there's that. So they reached K's mom. K's mom verifies he's been on. He's been doing this for a long time. If K's mom knew. How do the angels not know up to this point? Well, I mean, I guess you could say you would look at the function. You can look at the functionality of even of Tyler Skaggs. Um, no, no, I mean, no. Hold on. I'm, I'm talking about Kay too. Like, like if Kay's mom knew, how long ago did she know? But she knew how long ago he started abusing the opioids. When did she find out about that? And if she knew. How the team not know? Is was he completely functional too during this whole time frame? Talking, you know, briefly with somebody who who knows Kay. Yesterday, this person was stunned. So I can tell you that I don't. I don't think here. I don't think you're going you to get a lot of I don't knows today, folks. I'm not going to lie to you. I just, I just find it if, if he'd been, uh, if he'd obviously been functional, I, I just can't see any company, especially the Los Angeles Angels, having a non-functional, uh, yeah, yeah, opioid abuser in their com- in their in their employment for twenty years. Uh, so twenty three, yeah, twenty three, yeah. So I mean, obviously he was very functional. Which and then you look at Skaggs. Skaggs is. Obviously, very functional. So I, I don't have any. Like I said, maybe we'll get some emails on this. I, I don't have any uh, familiarity with how this works. I, I know it, it relieves pain. It makes you feel better. Um, but it, you know, it, for a professional athlete to be on it and be functional and go out every five days and, and throw pitches, and if they're saying other athletes in the past, uh, it just seems to be. Uh, I guess you could question who knew and who didn't know. That's and like I said, we right, don't well, really have any facts. Let's clean this up a little bit, though. Okay, let's just, what we do know about various different drugs is this: some people are, are perfectly capable of functioning in their jobs for a limited time before something hits the bricks, something happens. Okay, people have worked for years in many cases like this. You could also look at Tyler Skaggs' history of dealing with pain, dealing with the different injuries he had, and you could think, okay, maybe that maybe that's where it came from. Okay, so there are various different things that are factors here. We do know that there are, in various cases, drugs do not keep somebody from doing their job. Sometimes they do, a lot of times they do, but sometimes they don't. 
here's the here's the uh, the kicker. Kay told investigators that he and Skaggs, again I'm quoting, had worked out an arrangement in which Kay would obtain drugs for Skaggs and himself, and Skaggs would pay for them. Outside the lines reviewed Venmo transactions alleged to have occurred between Skaggs and Kay, which show a series of payments over two years ranging from 150 bucks to 200 to uh, sorry 600 bucks. That's okay. That's a, that's the pessimist would say that. Come on, really? You don't know that what that money was for back and forth. In this case, I would say Kay doesn't really have a reason to lie. He's admitting to getting the drugs. He's admitting to taking the drugs. So I think that that's what's probably happening. I have no doubt it was. That's what was happening. Okay, that's. So. I mean. I mean. I mean. That makes total sense to me. But this doesn't. Again, this is between Skaggs and K. Venmo payments. I don't know how this brings culpability to other people well, be knowledgeable of that. That's where we're getting to right now. Here we go. Quote. Quote. K has sought treatment for substance abuse twice this year, according to his mother and his wife Camilla, while recovering in the hospital from an overdose on April twenty second. So he's in the hospital, recovering from an overdose on April 22nd. Kay received a text from Skag seeking drugs. They said, Sandy was visiting her son in the hospital at the time, alongside his wife and Tim Mead, the former Angels Vice President of Communications and Kay's supervisor. Sandy told outside the line she saw the text and told Mead that the team needed to get Skaggs off his back. Mead, left, Mead, who left the Angels in June to become president of the Baseball Hall of Fame Museum in Cooperstown, New York, told Outside the Lines he doesn't recall hearing Skaggs' name in that conversation or that Skaggs was an opioid user at any other time. Okay, so I've heard this numerous times and something just kind of occurred to me here. Okay. Um, A, April 22nd, so roughly two months and change from there, Kay's in a hotel room with Skaggs. Again, fair question to ask. If Kay was in a hospital room recovering from an overdose, and the Angels have a zero tolerance policy, what happened? Did Kay report it? Did he go to the team? Did what was the process there? What did, what was going on? That he was then back out on a road trip two months plus later. That's a fair question that the Angels really need to answer at some point here. They probably can't answer it now due to legal reasons, but that is a question that really needs to be answered. Because quite frankly, if you're real, if this guy has an OD and you're realizing this guy's an addict, he has no place on the road with this team. At the very least, the Angels made a bad decision here. And that bad decision would probably come from Tim Meade. Tim Meade leads the team eight days later um, after this event. Sorry, eight days, was it eight days before? Tim Meade is gone between April and, and between April and, um, and June. Let me get the actual date for you. I had it up earlier. The date... That and somebody messaged to me too. That okay, they thought it was fishy, and I don't know that it was fishy in terms of the team purposely doing anything. But what is really concerning to me is the fact that the team had K back on the job so quickly. Why was he back on the job? So the dates here. K's final day with the Angels is the fourteenth. Tyler passes away on the 30th of June, so he's in the hotel room on the 30th of June-ish, right? With him. So, at Mead's gone, but somebody made the arrangements for Kay to go. Did Mead make the arrangements before he left? Did Kay's boss, new boss, make the case for him to go? What the heck happened here? That's a question I would like to know. Is that fair, John? 
Yes, it is. So you're referring that Tim had already uh, moved on to Cooperstown and it's, had begun his job as that. After, and this occurred after that. But well, obviously you're saying the arrangements and that he was still on the job was, was – Yeah, so Tim, Tim may, have, may or may not have known. At the very least, I think a bad decision was made there, right? That's fair to say. That's if you were if you were OD in the hospital. Tell me what employer is going to send somebody back on the road two months later with the team? Well, I mean, if it's the job, I, I, I mean, I have personal experience of people who do important jobs that are back on the job within a couple months after uh, rehab. I mean. I, I see. I see your point. It makes sense, but but that's not. But John, what you're getting as a, and again, we, oh, we want to try so hard to avoid making conclusions ourselves here, and it feels like that's where we're going. So I want to. I want to walk that line a little bit. What I'm saying is this: K may have been a functional guy like that, but if you are the Angels and you'd like to say avoid any kind of problems. Avoid any kind of possible lawsuit later on. Wouldn't the safe route have been to keep him home longer? I mean, most. I mean, a lot of rehabs are thirty, sixty, ninety days. He, if you, a rehab to me would be after an OD like that. I have. Let me stop there. I don't want to conclude. I don't want to make a conclusion. That's a question, though, that I have. Okay. And maybe it's a simple answer of the team treats this, you know, like family. They they believe that he was fine to go, and they made a, a goofy mistake, or maybe they were negligent. That we don't know. I just don't like th- you know. Thirty years ago, they just fire him, and he's gone. But that's not the world we live in today. It's not no. It's, with with the law, with with uh, with the legal stuff, that's not the world we live in today, and that's why. And people get multiple. And I'm not saying he didn't deserve. I'm just saying people get multiple chances. They get as long as they're up front, and 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 and. So I mean, that's what I I see. If that was his job, um, and it's two months after he's out of rehab, I, I don't know if what what where is the guideline that says he cannot go on the job. He can't do his job. For X amount of months. Well, tell me how many X amount of months it is. Um, that's what I. I mean, yeah. Anyways, well, the, let's. This is a good time to pull their statement. The Angels, after this came out yesterday, released the following statement, and it states: We have never heard that any employee was providing illegal narcotics to any player, or that any player was seeking illegal narcotics. Angels president John Carpino said. The Angels maintain a strict zero policy regarding the illicit use of drugs for both players and staff. Every one of our players must also abide by the MLB Joint Drug Agreement. We continue to mourn the loss of Tyler and fully cooperate with the authorities as they continue their investigation. So, that's straight legalese. That is, that is I know some people are criticizing the Angels for this statement, but I don't really think they have a choice. This is not something they can outright discuss right now when you have a federal investigation going on, you have an MLB investigation going on, and they don't say whether or not they're investigating. I'm guessing they are. I'm sure they are. And he, somebody keeps asking about that in terms of, in our Twitter feed, someone's asking about that. It seems like it's not being investigated. Well, you don't know that. Any, to me, any MLB team where these allegations are out there, you want to be able right away to show, hey, we, yeah, we're just, we discovered a problem. We're working to solve it because you still need to attract fans. You need to attract players to come play for you. And so you are still a business. You don't want to be doing dumb things that will drive business away, right? No, absolutely not. That's what this is. This is the kind of thing that any any baseball team or corporation would would go out of their way to avoid. So I look at that statement as being they had to do it. It's not the prettiest language. It seems very sterile, but it had to be because there's a lot of a lot of factors going on. The Angels could be getting some getting sued here. The Angels could be used to in a position where they're going to lose a ton of money in lawsuits. There could be criminal charges filed against their employees. There could be at the worst if MLB finds that 
the top of the game there, like Artie Moreno was involved in some kind of cover-up here, then you're talking the possible forcing of him selling the franchise. Now, do I believe it's going to happen? No, that's the very extreme. That is like what the major, major panickers yesterday were talking about on Twitter. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that if that is something that could be made a case for, if true, we don't know that. We don't know that. Well, to be clear, too, I mean, I fully support uh, punishing people who are breaking the law. Uh, if you are, if you are supplying, exchanging, providing, I don't know what, what you know, drugs. Uh, I, I fully support any employee that is proven to have done that to be not only disciplined or you know at, from Major League Baseball, but disciplined from law enforcement. Um, I just, I just need facts. I just need evidence and facts. And I think, like I said, I think going up to Artie Moreno is a little bit of a stretch. I know you, I know you acknowledge that too, but I don't think that that's a stretch for some people on Twitter and Facebook and, and, and social media. It's not a stretch for them. And that's the crazy thing. If Tim Mead knew, somebody wrote this yesterday. If Tim Mead knew, then Artie Moreno had to know. No, that's, no, he didn't. You know, actually, in a lot of cases where an employee's been around for a long time, that employee is trusted so much that it's just assumed you're going to do the right thing and you're not going to need to worry about reporting this to the boss. I mean, I, as a person who is, I, I can tell you that 95% of the decisions I make every day as a teacher, I don't talk to my boss about because I'm just trusted to do my job. So why would I? Report every single little thing. I, it's encouraged you handle most things in your classroom as a teacher, right? It's in, it's in your office. You're you are encouraged to handle almost everything. Now, if there's a drug involved, you would think, yeah, he would tell Moreno, but maybe he didn't. But that's even assuming that Mead knew. Here's the thing: going back to the, the statement that uh, that Sandra K made, that she saw the text and told Meade that he needed to get Skaggs off his back. So, here's a naive thought to that. That Meade did not hear anything about drugs and when told to get Skaggs off his back, he took it as something else. Like Skaggs was calling too much or whatever and he didn't know. Okay? Or, another possibility is that Sandy's covering for her son, who's who could face federal charges. Or the other possibility is Sandy told Tim exactly that. Told told him to get Skanks off his back due to drug use. It is totally possible that any one of those three things happen. Now it becomes a he said, she said. I just Going back real quickly to what you were talking about, you know, I mean, at at my job, uh, you know, I've had multiple people say, you know, we get we send out letters from the president of our company when there's changes made and he's his face is on top. And and I have had people say, I want to talk to him. Well, you understand my job is to resolve your problem. And then if my job, if, if I don't resolve your problem, I have a boss, then you get to speak to my boss. And if my boss doesn't solve your problem, you get to speak to their boss. I mean, and there's an army, there's a line of defense going to the top, not because the top person is above talking to the to the average person. I've actually spoke to Artie Moreno. He's a pretty decent guy. Walked right up to him in spring training. And um, it's just that that's why you hire people. That's why you have a chain of command to solve things so that it doesn't go to the owner's desk um, unless it's, you know, it's not resolved by everything else. And I mean, this obviously would be a very serious issue that, um, you know, that if it was out of control and got to the point that somebody didn't know, because I don't think anybody speculated that Skaggs was going to die in, in a hotel room. If they did, I think it probably Artie Moreno would have known about it uh, at that point. But um, so I just... Again, this is, again, a lot of no names, and, and we have a lot of time for more things to open up. This is going to be a long investigation, and I just, I, I want, I just call for patience. Yes, and patience is something that most fans, uh, 
that most people in general who are just dealing with something emotional aren't going to have, and that's understandable. We've got to ask people to try anyways. One last thing here with Mead. But we need to win a World Series next year, Derek. We need oh, to gosh. we need to win a World Series. We need and to get Joe Madden and win a World Series, okay? Get rid of the uh, the, the uh, sarcasm right now, okay? Okay. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. The uh, Mead. One last thing, Mead did tell outside the lines that uh, he didn't recall hearing Skaggs' name in that conversation, or that Skaggs was an opioid user at any other time. That's interesting wording to me. Doesn't recall hearing Skaggs' name in that conversation to me implies that there was a conversation with Sandra Kay. Okay. Um, or that Skaggs is an opiate user at any other time. So at that point, he's saying he doesn't never really heard that. The wording to me, at least in how it's written there, it, I admit it doesn't sound it doesn't sound right. For any number of reasons, so somebody here is not telling the truth. Somebody's not telling the truth, and both sides there have a reason to not tell the truth. Tim Mead has a reason. Tim Mead, Tim Mead needs to protect his legacy. This guy is one of the most respected people in the game, one of the most loved people in the game, and this would absolutely destroy, fair or unfair, that legacy. The and Sandra Kay has a, has a son to protect who could be seeing jail time. So without having, without knowing either person personally or knowing the situation they're in, in this kind of personal level, there's no judgment anybody can make on that. You just have to wait. Uh, see here. Here we go. This is key. Kay told DEA investigators that he first mentioned Skaggs' use of drugs to Mead in 2017. In addition, a second Angels official knew of Skaggs' drug use. The traveling secretary, let me get his name real quick for you all. The second employee was traveling secretary Tom Taylor. Tom Taylor also denies it in a statement to the LA Times, as written from uh, Bill Shaken and Fenno. Before Tyler's death, Eric K. never told me anything about Tyler or any other player seeking narcotics or about Eric providing narcotics to any player, Taylor said in a statement to the Times. So there you go. There's his, there's his denial. Again, this is why we need to stop and listen and read and ask questions because we have a bunch of people saying, no, I didn't do this. And some people saying, yes, you did. And the actual evidence is not presented yet. It's all he said, she said at this point. Okay. Mead said, I have had a lot of conversations with Eric K. about a lot of things, but opioids and Tyler's gangs were not one of them. Now, this is more definitive from Tim Mead, by the way. The above cover, the, the way the, it's written above, it sounds a little shaky. This is more direct. Again, I have had a lot of conversations with Eric K. about a lot of things, but opioids and Tyler's gangs were not one of them. He said, as if he was ever aware that Skaggs used opioids before his death, Meade said no. Angels team spokesman Marie Garvey told Outside the Lines that the second team official also denied knowing. So it's Tom Taylor. Her statement, we are shocked to hear these reports. We had no prior knowledge of Tyler or any other member of the Angels organization having abused opioids or any other any narcotic Continue to work with law enforcement to get answers. Continue to work with law enforcement. So they're involved. So anybody who's thinking the angels are not involved, there's your, they are working with law enforcement. Major League Baseball's rules. It is required that any team official made aware of player drug use must report to the commissioner's office immediately. According to, including to an MLB official familiar with discussions between the angels and the MLB, nothing has come from the angels yet about a notification. So MLB is not aware of these allegations. According to a June 11, 2019 tweet from K, Meade took over that father figure in his life. So it's clear that Meade was close with K. So key note here, uh, K's attorney, Molfetta, declined to allow K to comment for the story. All right, so... We're getting now down towards the end of the reporting here. 
Um, they note that several lawyers interviewed by outside the lines said it might be difficult for prosecutors to prove that Kay or anyone else was responsible for Skaggs' death, as it would be difficult to establish whether alcohol or which drugs cause his death. Okay, that makes things, I think, more difficult in the long run to come up, to come up with a clean, uh, clean ending to the story. Asked if Kay was part of that investigation. Well, Feta said at this point, I had not been informed of that. I have been informed by one branch of the U.S. Attorney's Office that they were not ready to make that designation at this time, and I have not been broached with that. With that, I have not broached that with the other office. Okay, here you go. This was Kay's twenty-fourth season with the Angels. He's been director of communications since since twenty fourteen. And then the article ends with noting that Skaggs was part of a three team trade that sent him to the Angels from the Diamondbacks following the 2013 season. The article should also note that the Angels drafted Skaggs and they went and got him back. So let's put some things together here. Just to bring it all together. <sighs> Breathe. Eric Cade reportedly tells and been ver- and been verified by his attorney. He tells officials that Meade was made aware of issues with opioid use for Skaggs in 2017. Meade denies. Meade denies. Also, Sandra Kay's comment or statement that he knew about Skaggs' use, quote-unquote, that he was an opioid user, opioid user at any other time. Does not recall hearing Skaggs' name in that conversation. That's all from me. Sandra Kay tells outside the lines that she saw the text between Skaggs and Kay and told me that the team needed to get Skaggs off his back. Now, key thing, did Meade see those texts? Something to think about. We don't know. The five players in question are five players that Kay believed to have been using opiates while they were angels. So he did not know they were using them, or it would have said that he knew them, um, that they were using. And it's not clear, because they're saying they were angels, whether or not these are some of them are current or past, or all are past. What's this mean for the team, John? Uh, just a bunch of this going on for... Uh, at least the next couple seasons. I mean, just constant questions being erased. I think a lot of, uh, unless there's some actual facts and names and proven evidence, uh, it means nothing. But that doesn't mean that it won't stay in uh, the newspapers and social media for at least a couple more years. Yeah. Um this is horrible for the game. This is going to be lingering for a while. This is horrible for the Angels. Let's just say that you have players in that team who knew nothing about any of this, that you have management and management organization that, that knew nothing about this. They could wind up paying a price for all this. Free agents might not want to walk into the situation. Of, you know, this thing, if you were a key free agent, would you, if you were Garrett Cole, would you want to walk into this? Heck, would Joe Madden want to come into this? Although I'm pretty sure that Joe Madden has been probably forewarned by the organization that, this, that some of the stuff was going on. Um, so this has issues both on and off the field now. got to think about that. I, I don't know how it affects it on the field. Um, not well, really it, sure. I mean, with, I mean, I mean, they've already last season effect. It maybe had effects on the field. Um, but I just don't see this affecting unless I don't know who. And I don't even know that I would think it would affect um, free agent status. Uh, I don't know. That's just me. Maybe I'm naive, but uh, I, well, I don't see how it's affecting the on the field uh, performance. I think it does. I thought that's that's stuff that's on your. And you're looking at your shoulder at this man. You're going to be hearing news reports about this stuff. Periodically, you're going to be having people asking you questions about it. How could you play for an organization that did this or was involved in this? How could you do this? 
you're going to, you know, you're going to have front office people ask those questions. Why would you want to walk into that if you were a player looking trying to win a World Series? Why would you do that? Why would Joe Madden want to walk into those kind of questions? You're going to get those, man. This is not 1920 where you would you would be just having these guys with no pads following you now. This is all over the media, all over new media. I'm talking internet. This is podcasts like us talking about it. That's stuff you really, really, really don't want to have when you have 29 other choices of teams you can go to if you're a free agent. Why would you even bother with that? So this is going to affect the team. It could affect the team. It would take the Angels really taking action to quickly straighten this out and navigate a way through this to help get this done faster. I, I'm not confident right now that the Angels will be able to do everything they were hoping to do this offseason because of this. Now, you signed... You signed Joe Madden. That's a different story. To me, if I'm the Angels right now, I am paying Joe Madden whatever the heck he wants. But they can't sign him until it's over anyways. I think well, he's I'm already saying, signed. I mean, if Joe Madden decides to walk in there and says, listen, this isn't worth it, man. I don't want I don't want to do this anymore. And they say, if, you know, what, what will it take to keep you? That dollar amount at this point shouldn't matter. At this point, to me, Joe Madden becomes a guy you have to sign. He's Mr. Angel. He's the guy who was there for 31 years. He's the guy who can help restore some faith and trust in your organization. If there's, if there's no need to have to restore that faith and trust in the organization, he's just still, that needs to be a proactive move by the Angels. But yeah, I, I just I just don't I don't see the connection of I mean, if it's a corporate America and you're I can see that a company that's being run. But this is a this is a you're making a choice on on. I guess money is definitely a factor uh, who you're going to get to play with um, the, the, it, the, where you're going to get to play. There's a lot of attractive factors to the angels, which I guess also says questions why we haven't been able to obtain good free agents. Uh, to, but I don't think that because anybody coming in was not, was not there, was not part of the problem. They were, I this is not something that I did. I'm, I'm part of this team, 2000, uh, 2020 it'll be. Um, so I, I don't, I just don't think that. John, I, all the respect my friend, that sounds naive because again, you are going to have, if you're a free agent, you're walking into a situation where you know from the moment you sign with this team, someone's going to be asking you, how, why would you sign with a team that's having all these different problems right now? But the, 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 we did have a problem. Our pitcher passed away. That, that's a huge problem. And, and he that, passed away from opioids. That's a, that's a huge problem. I understand that. But otherwise, just about everything else that's being lobbed at them is not, has not been substantiated. But it also leaves questions. That's a lot Understood. of questions. And questions, questions are questions. I mean, that's that's the problem. But, we just keep beating up people in, over the... Go ahead. But in today's world, John, questions equal narrative. And narrative equals somebody did something wrong. It's entirely possible that the only people who did something wrong here were Tyler and Eric Kay. It's also possible that this is a, a problem within the organization at the lowest levels going up to the highest levels. And those are questions that free agents, I don't think are going to want to have to answer when they could just as easily go sign with another contender somewhere. If you are only time will tell, only time will tell. We will see. We will find out soon enough. We're going to find out. Uh, Yeah. The other thing too, we really want to get to is in relation to this, is some of the weird things you've seen lobbed at us. Some of the, the some of the questions. The idea of zero policy. I just want to recap it again. Zero tolerance policy. As far as I've always known zero tolerance policy in accordance with employers, that's if you are caught and they are not made aware of it, that zero policy zero tolerance policy. If you have a if you are, have a problem and you take it to the organization, or it's brought to the organization by you in some kind of way, then now you're dealing with quote-unquote a disease. Because this is not the same as 30 years ago. Like you mentioned, 30 years ago, they're just going to fire you. Now they have you as a disease. A disorder. Right? Absolutely. So 
that changes things a bit. Other things we saw about this. <clears throat> Other things we saw about this. The question about him being in rehab in August and then going to interview in September. Why is he still employed in that case? Same thing. Instead of being of automatically suspecting the angels are part of this whole thing and they're trying to get him to cover for it. If he's if they're trying to get him to cover for it, then why is he talking to the EA and give them information? If they're trying to get him to cover for it. The whole thing could end with K. K could just deny K could have said it was for something else. K could have said it was just him and 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 Skaggs and said K pointed fingers. This actually in many way in many cases to me says that the angels were not trying to force him in any kind of way to shut his mouth. I think the angels were fulfilling what their legal obligations were to Kay in terms of treatment. Maybe I'm wrong. If you have a different perspective, please let me know. Uh, do, you have a different, do you have a different perspective on that? No. No. Uh, let's see here. Anything else here that I saw? I mean, I think we touched on everything. So, folks, I'm sorry for the, for the disjointed podcast. It was very disjointed. It was... Um, it's very authentic, though. We we are just like you. We are looking at all this, and we're trying to break it down the best we can. We're ask, we're asking questions. We are, John, I'm 40 years old. I've loved this team since I was a uh, young man. And I know that I oftentimes will be the one who's not the fanboy. It's your job, usually. But this one rocks me. It rocks me because if if the things that are said in this article are true about Tamid and potentially other members of the team, because that's what the implication is, right, that there were other activities on the team, then it hurts, man. This is this is um, personal in so many ways. And so I find myself hoping that it's not true. I have respect for a person we've known to be a good man. But also I'm hoping that it's not true for even Tyler. What's implied here is that Tyler was an addict, a long-time addict, and I don't want to believe that either. I want to believe the easier story that, you know, a mistake was made. We want to believe those things, and I'm sure our heart tells us our heart and mind tell us different things. Save me here, John. I'm running out of words. Well, I'm just saying, I mean, when you say the word good man, I mean, it's you can be a good man and make a, a mistake. So, I mean, and a lot of this is is mistakes. Um, I mean, that if, if any of them were true, a lot of them are just errors in judgment. Errors in judgment. We all make errors in judgment. Um, and, and usually when we make errors in judgment, it doesn't result in somebody uh, – well, you know, dying in a hotel room. Again, even those errors of judgment aren't the reason that he died in that. I mean, could it could it potentially have prevented it in some way? Yes, but uh, but a lot of you know errors in judgment are are, are also applied to Tyler Skaggs, um, and so I mean, I just I don't think that. Whatever comes out of this, there's necessarily villains involved. There's people who made mistakes. And in today's world, those people get held accountable much more than they did in the past. Uh, even if they're only held accountable in, in the, what the, the form of the public, uh, social media, their, you know, their, you know, names are smirched or whatever. But even I'm, I'm sure there will be certainly pe- pe- people will be held financially responsible for this. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, so, but I don't think that it necessarily has to be, I mean, I guess you could say Eric K. I think you could potentially consider him maybe a little bit of a villain because he's the one for actually, uh, providing drug, you know, ad- admittedly providing drugs. So, I mean, he's the one actually admittedly breaking the law. Um, and then of course, drug use is against the law too. So, but anyways, I don't think that it's necessarily, we can paint him with a, their bad people brush, uh, but I certainly want to see more information come out, uh, something other than from Eric K. 
All right, folks, so all that in mind, again, uh, pardon our stumbling through this a little bit. We pride ourselves on being professionals. We also pride ourselves a little bit on being human. And today was one of those days where the humanity came through. It was very hard for us to go through all this. It's been a long time covering this team and watching this team. I've written about this team for many years. I've, I grew up watching Salmon and Jack Curtis and Mike Witt and Kurt McCaskill and all these wonderful names all the way through the World Series team to to Vladdy. This is hard to swallow. It's very hard to swallow that this has been potentially going on. So bear with us a little bit, and I'm sure you're with us in some kind of way. I'm trying not to be overly dramatic about it, but when you realize that this podcast has had so many different points where it's just hard to talk about. And one more thing, again, remember that we are actually asking, if you have some kind of feedback or experience you can share with us in terms of some of the questions we ask, like things that are legal, like employee employment or in terms of the ability of a person to work and operate on, on certain drugs or other contracts, things like that that we raise questions about, please send us emails, give us some feedback, send, some, send us the sources too so it's just not hearsay, and it'll help us uh, kind of bring more information to the people as well. All right. So, all that in mind, you can follow us on Talking Halos on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at DC Paul. You can find John at Jake's Crane John, and and you can find us on Spreaker, Apple Music, Spotify, anywhere you can find us podcasting. Anywhere, pretty much almost everywhere. All right. So, I'm guessing due to the information coming out now that we'll probably have a midweek podcast. But if not, we'll see you next Sunday. Take it easy. We're out of here. This holiday season, you know what I have on my wish list? Adventure. That's why I got a new Honda during the Happy Honda Day sales event. They have a whole lineup of rugged, all-wheel drive SUVs, CRV, Pilot, Passport. But at the end of the day, I drove off in a new HRV with a bunch of safety features. And best of all, I got it on clearance. So don't just sit around knitting an ugly holiday sweater. See your local Honda dealer for Happy Honda Day's clearance pricing today. The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.